Utah's network. Hi, this is Devin Track with the Free Buddhist Network. Today we bring you another episode of the Nerd Herders. In this episode, the nerds are back from an extended hiatus and talk about a variety of subjects. We hope you enjoy the show. Up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. I know they're all thinking I'm so wide and nerdy. Think I'm just too wide and nerdy. Think I'm just too wide and nerdy. Can't you see I'm wide and nerdy? Look at me, I'm wide and nerdy. We are. We are. We are the nerd herders. Who's scruffy-looking? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Nerd Herders. Uh, this is episode 124. It has been a long time uh, since we've all uh, sat down to record. As always, I'm Andy Howard, and tonight I am joined by my co-hosts, <laughs> Ian Clark, uh, Dave Farr, and Dustin Allen. <laughs> Our carefully rehearsed uh, opening has already gone out the window. My name is Ian Clark. And I'm Dave Farr. And I'm Justin Alex. As you can see, we're a little bit rusty. Um, I'm not used to recording with more than one other person on the other end of the line. Uh, so I, it takes me a little bit uh, to get used to that. Uh, but we're really excited to be back. Uh, and we're hoping to be able to record on a more regular schedule again. Um, Nerd Herders has been something that I've always loved to do as a show. So we really are, are hoping to bring it back. Um, and we hope that there are still people out there that are interested in listening to the show as well. And since it's been a while since we've recorded... We thought we'd uh, change up the normal format uh, and really just focus in on what we've been doing uh, for the last, well, I'm going to say six months, because um, really it was our Adepticon show, which was the last time we did kind of a live recording. Um, I know Ian did an interview show in between, and we we pulled some stuff out of the archives uh, to try to keep things going, but we're uh, we're back we're going to do a live show and we're going to focus in uh, we're going to have the whole show be our roll call um so without any further ado uh let's jump right into roll call oh wait i have an ado oh perfect i love it <laughs> no i was just going to mention that justin is sitting in and hopefully matt will join us later he was uh, doing some work stuff so yeah uh, for those of you who are huge matt alex fans Hopefully he will be here later, but we, we've got Justin, who in many ways is a superior Alex, and uh, we're going to try later to get uh, Papa Alex on. Yeah, Ernie. We're yeah, trying to get Ernie in here um, uh, later on. Justin has been a longtime uh, part of the show, uh, but he often uh, tries to hide behind the curtain, uh, but I you know, have been pestering him for a while now to kind of jump out front uh, and be be a more kind of regular part of the show. So we're, we're hoping that uh, someone out there likes uh, what Justin has to say uh, and lets us know that through you know the Facebook page so that I can convince Justin to keep recording with us. Well, I know that I hate the sound of my own voice, but the listeners love it. So I'm happy to be here. Oh my gosh. Have, I, I don't listen to any of our shows. Like I can't hear my <laughs> voice. <laughs> um, I, I, there's a really funny story about that, Justin. So for work, I had to do, over 40 different recordings yes. and my boss was like can you listen to them and make sure they sound okay i was like no no i, <laughs> I refuse 
<laughs> will not listen to myself talk for that long. Um, only other people can be subjected to that torture. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna try to have Justin on as a regular contributor. But as Ian said tonight, uh, we're kind of one Alex brother short for a little bit. Uh, Matt, apparently, this is something like excise season or something like taxes, blah blah blah, that he's got to take care of. So he's gonna business, try to join. Business. It's his business, yes. Uh, over there at Vandalay Industries. Um, yeah, he, he both imports and exports. So it's although, very, although interestingly busy. enough, uh, though the listeners may not even have noticed that Matt was um, not working when we last started recording, but now is. So that's uh, that's a nice little uh, added bonus too. So, and I think everybody's kind of personal lives have settled down a little bit from the summer rush. So, uh, really hoping to kind of keep this recording schedule going. Yeah. 2019 is the year of Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything's coming up, Matt. Yeah. Kudos to Andy for uh, organizing everything because I had come to the personal decision to let the nerd herders go. I was because I was I was tired of being the main one who was trying to rally us to record and things like that. And so I figured if organically, if we were all done, then we had a good run and I had a ton of fun and we're obviously always going to be nerd herders for life. But uh, I had hoped that someone would take up the mantle and feel strongly about it. And Andy sent a very nice, uh, heartfelt email to all of us. Uh, and wanting to take charge and and keep things going, so he's taken control of the organization and uh, and, and all that type of stuff for the episodes. And I'm I'm glad that he did so because I'm very happy to be recording uh, with you guys again. Thanks, Ian. Yeah, so this will be either the first of a long run of shows <laughs> or the fiery crash and burn of the nerd herders. Well, one of those two things. Uh, I'm I'm really thinking there's nothing in between those two things. So it's no, one we've of always been a what? feast or famine type of podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think and to, to thank you for those kind words, Ian. But yeah, it, the nerd herders uh, has brought kind of a lot of opportunities to us in terms of kind of building friendships, uh, having a great excuse to go to my parents' cabin in the wintertime, uh, going out to a Demticon. Uh, it really makes a lot of um, what I like to do kind of with my personal time and hobby time even better. So yeah, I really wanted to try to bring it back. Yay. All right. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right. Now, without any further ado adoos, uh, we're going to roll into roll call. All the wings report in. Red leader standing by. Gray leader standing by. Green leader standing by. Luck S files and attack positions. So this is Roll Call, and for this episode, Roll Call is going to be kind of the entire show, because it has been a while since we've been able to kind of talk about what we've been doing in terms of hobbying, um, both uh, entertainment, books, movies, uh, video games, board games, tabletop games, RPGs. So I thought I'd kind of go uh, around the horn with a couple different topics with everybody, be able to talk a little bit about the things we've been doing. Um, we haven't really all sat down, or at least I haven't had a chance to sit down with you guys and talk about this type of stuff in a while. So I thought the show would be a good time to do it. Gives our listeners a chance to kind of hear a little bit about what we're doing. Um, so what I wanted to start out with is books. Um, and really, when I talk about books nowadays, I'm always including kind of print media as well as uh, audio. Um, because I, I find myself listening to more and more books. Uh, I always 
try to i'm a big fan of used bookstores and picking up uh copies of books but i i find myself not having as much time to read uh but i have plenty of time to kind of pop in in an audio um during a long commute or plane ride uh so that's that's what i've been into uh most lately so i thought we'd start uh talking about that um i have a few uh but i've been talking for a while and i get self-conscious uh so i'm gonna let Ian, talk a little bit about the title he picked um, and you know why you might have read it. And it's also one that I've read as well. Uh, so it might be fun to discuss that a little bit. But if you want to kind of start us off, Ian, that'd be great. Oh, man, I'm not looking at the spreadsheet. What did I put? You put Empire of Imagination down. Oh, good. Yeah, I haven't read a lot of books this year. Uh, I was actually struggling to think of anything. Justin let me borrow a 40K book that, that I started, and it seemed good, but I uh, have not gone any further on. But I did uh, reacquire Empire of Imagination, which Andy had, uh, which is about Gary Gygax and the birth of Dungeons & Dragons. And Andy was talking about the opportunities and other things that have that have come to us for doing this podcast and one of those things for me has been able to to being able to work with Terrace Cassidy from Geek Nation Tours and design a tour to go to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin and play Dungeons and Dragons in the Gygax house and that's coming up in just a few weeks. It's sold out for this year. We plan to go next year, so if you missed out, definitely uh be on uh on the ready to sign up when we when we go live for next year. But for that tour I am rereading Empire of Imagination to kind of reacquaint uh, myself with one of some of the historical aspects of it because we're doing like a walking tour of the Lake Geneva area and uh, going over some of the history of, of D&D and TSR and things like that. So it's been fun to reread that book uh, because it's a, it's, I've read several books on the history of D&D and Gary Gygax, Dave Arneson and everything. And I think this one is the best, uh, or at least the one that I've enjoyed the most. So it's been nice to kind of revisit that and uh, help myself prep for the um, for the upcoming tour. And I know, Andy, you – I can't remember. I know you started it, but I don't know if you finished it. I know some of the legal parts were kind of dry for you. Yeah, I, I read a good portion of it. Um I've also watched a number of documentaries um, about kind of the whole saga and stuff. I I, I read something recently to um, just about how a, a company like TSR, which was basically just making money hand over fist, kind of lost all of it to the point where they lost the the D and D license and everything. Um, so I I have a tendency to to like some of the early romantic kind of starts. Um, I dislike where they try to take all the credit uh, for kind of inventing role-playing games, um, even though it's, it's kind of one particular system. Uh, but I, I do like what the author did in terms of kind of trying to show how that area of the country shaped uh, Gygax and shaped kind of role-playing um, and things like D&D. Um, hey, do you don't know if the uh, the grounds of the old mental hospital are still uh, are still there? If that place has been torn down, Did you guys uh, check I, out check that out at all? Yeah, it's it's been torn down. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. um, yeah, because among the on the walking tour, we're doing a bunch of different things because that was one of the things that uh, inspired Gygax's imagination. And there are some other places that are still there uh, that we are going to visit. But uh, yeah, that that place has been torn down. Um, so yeah 
But uh, yeah, no, that's it. That's it for me. I just, um, it's a good read, and if you if you like Dungeons and Dragons and historical type stuff and that type of stuff interests you, I think Empire of Imagination is really well written and uh, and definitely worth your time. It was the best of the two biographies I had read, or you know, stories of early D and can't remember the other one now, but that was even more of a fanboy um, kind of ode to Gygax. Um, I think Empire of Imagination did a little bit better with some of the history. And like you said, it does get into some of the legal wranglings as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't have, I don't, Justin or uh, Dave, you guys haven't read Empire of Imagination. I don't, I don't think, but I have no, probably not up my alley. No, no, but Dave, you have some interesting titles on here too. I, uh, you had written down, cause I don't know if you see the spreadsheet there, um, a couple yeah. titles, two of which I, I wasn't, uh, familiar with. Uh, if you want to kind of hop into, you know, your titles there, we can talk a little bit about the books you've been reading. Yeah. So, um, so I'm a, you know, audible guy, which my, my little, um, plug for audible. Uh, and by the way, we get no money from them, but the thing that I like is, so I, you get a credit a month, but I would say at least twice a year, I get like a two for one deal and there's always something in their two for one special that I want, or they'll sell a buck, you know, they'll have like a $5 special over the summer. So I always have stuff in there. Um, but I've been listening to these like big, heavy, books um so one that i did recently was called warbreaker um which is a brandon sanderson book uh, but it's standalone and the whole concept is that um they have these things called the returned so when people die they come back to life and they can live for up to seven days um and after seven days, they die unless someone gives them their breath. And by taking someone's breath, they can live for another week. And that person doesn't die, but it's like um, they become what's called like a drab. So they kind of like lose their their life force. And so it's just really cool, like in a Brandon Sanderson way where he's created this whole new form of magic um they call it bio biochroma and how that like like he just does a great job of like building a society around that and a culture and then um it, it was a really good book and something that was a little deep but we've been playing so much 40k lately uh and i wanted something that was i don't know if it's lighter or just because i've read it before um but i went back and after i finished warbreaker i'm going through the eisenhorn trilogy again which I don't remember what's the first one, uh, Xenos. So it's Xenos, Malleus, and then I haven't started the third one. I can't remember what that one's called. But those are all, um, if you haven't read them, they're, it's Inquisitor Gregor Eisenhorn. And um, it's a really awesome delve into the 40K universe. Like he ends up on Cadia, um, you run into some death cultists, he uh fights um a demon host and the demon host plays like kind of a cool part in the story um uh and, and yeah if you like kill team or any of those kind of things it really like um plays into that um and then the last one i wanted to talk about was uh zero g and i i don't think i talked i mean it's been so long since we talked i can't remember but i just wanted to throw zero g out which is a it's kind of like a kid's book. Um, and I, um, 
I wanted to mention it because Dex and I are actually, we read a lot at night and I wanted to try listening to a book with him. So we're actually listening to where the red fern grows. Oh, uh, great book. Great book. Yeah. So I thought that might be a good one because that was a book I remember from my childhood. So I'm like, all right, well, we'll try this in audible and see how it goes. But then I think I might go listen to zero G like it's not a great, it, it was good. Um, but it's only like a four hour book, I think. Um, but if, if, you know, any of the listeners have, I don't know, I'd say like probably seven to 12 year old, probably more boys than girls, I would think. Um, but it's just about a little boy who's on a spaceship and ends up all on his own. And there's kind of like a space pirate story and, um, but it's a little bit funny and, um, not, you know, it's not like scary or anything, but, um, but yeah, so I've been listening to a ton of stuff. Um, nice. And they're all great. I'm, I have yet to be disappointed. Read Eisenhorn. No, I have not. I've not read any of those. Do you, have you read anything from the Black Library, or is it just is that not something that's kind of floats I've your read boat? Twenty pages of the one Justin lent me. <laughs> yeah, I, which I one just, was that one? That horse here. Uh, Thousand Sons. Okay, oh. nice. It's just not your. Uh, you don't you don't read as much sci-fi, right? I don't read very much anymore at all unfortunately book wise just because i'm you know i'm read comics or i'm reading rpg module stuff or i'm reading uh uh 40k codex stuff or things like that so um i will say i i did dig out uh the hour of the dragon which is a robert e howard conan book that i was gonna i was gonna read so i would be interested in those things i just feel like time wise um like i i don't really drive to work very much anymore so my my commute time is limited so i like to listen to podcasts when i'm in the car so listening to stuff doesn't really interest me and i just i have a harder time now uh, I, and i i totally blame the internet uh for making people have more uh like a shorter attention span and, and inability to digest longer form things because sometimes i'll look at a book and be like oh that's a lot of pages so i and it's sad because i've i used to be an avid reader and read many many books in my lifetime but yeah i don't know i just have a hard time now and there's tons of stuff that i know that i would enjoy and i'm sure there's tons of black library stuff i just i just haven't i don't know just haven't had the inclination to do it yeah Stina, what about you? Have you read any of the Eisenhorn uh, stuff? Uh, Eisenhorn, I read maybe like 10 or f- ten years ago or more. Uh, okay. um, I want to go back to it. I do remember really liking it, but I haven't gotten back to it yet. Yeah, I. Um, it's funny, Dave, that you uh, mentioned that title because that's one that I picked up with some of my Audible credits a little while ago. Um, I just haven't had a chance to to listen to it. Um, one other thing, Dave, when you were talking about the, uh, the Zero G and that being more of a kid's book and kind of listening to Audible books with, um, with Dex, uh, something that I have been uh, queuing up, getting ready to do, is um, listening to more uh, story form podcasts. So... When I was a kid, I absolutely loved radio dramas. Um, For some reason, my dad had a whole bunch of them on tape or something. And then one of the local radio stations did a bunch of audio dramas. And that's become a new big thing. Um, I know I talked about it on the show before. Um, There was a great one about Wolverine. But 
what I found was a new another one called Circle Round, and this is um, designed for kids. So it's it's kids stories, but there's kind of higher production value to it, and it's anywhere from like five to like ten year olds. Um, so I haven't I've only listened to one real quick, uh, but I figured that'd be something neat to kind of listen to to Owen or when we're in car rides and stuff instead of him always being plugged into the iPad, kind of having that go in the background. But I didn't get to listen to the whole thing, but on it. NPR, they had a great show about kind of more of the story form podcasts. And I have listened to a couple others, um, but that's something that sometimes now fills. Now it becomes, do I listen to an audible book? Do I listen to a podcast? Or do I listen to kind of a story podcast now? Uh, they got some new neat ones coming out. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love the idea of podcasts and I like, I get into them or like, I'll listen to listen listen to them for a little while. And then for whatever reason, I always just get sucked back into audible. And then I go on these long audible tears and then I try to go back to the podcast and I'm like, well, there's so many to choose from, you know, like I've got like 30 in my queue. So nice, nice. So it's hard to catch up. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Justin, how about you? What, uh, I, what, I don't know if you have your list up. I've got it here if you can't remember, but uh, you have a very popular one. I think that almost all of us have probably read as well. Yeah, I have a couple actually I added to the list while you guys have been talking. But nice. um, So the, the main one on there is It, um, which is too bad Matt isn't on right now because I, speci- I specifically remember growing up and seeing the novelization of It or the novel It in his room. And it was just the thickest book I ever saw. And I went in there and I went, Matt, what is this? And he says, don't touch that. You'll get scared and mom will blame me for giving you nightmares. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to read it. but It didn't um, help that he was dressed as a clown when he said That's true too. And he was hiding under the bed. Um, but anyways, so my wife is a very big Stephen King fan and I've kind of become a Stephen King fan. And she loved It, the movie, and It, chapter two. And I, way back when we saw the first one, the uh, It came out, was it two years ago, the first one or last year? Two years. Um, two years ago, I was like, oh, I'm going to read this book. And there's one of the opening chapters is about one of the main people getting uh, beaten up very badly. And it just hit me in a way that I was like, all right, I got to close this and I don't think I can read it. Um, and then after after seeing it, chapter two, I decided to go back and I made it through that part and I'm really enjoying it. I'm not very far in, but I'm trying to trying to get through it. Um, yeah. I just, I really, I do really like Stephen King. I read all the Dark Dark Tower series, and I love those books. It's like right in my wheelhouse. It's kind of sci-fi, weird, like um, hell and demon stuff. So the movie we won't speak of, but um, yeah. <laughs> which wait, sorry, which which one? The Dark Tower movie. The Dark Tower. Oh movie. yeah, dark, I don't. Yeah, don't. Let's. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. We will not. So, speak anyways, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on. So, well, I was just gonna say it. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. It is one of my favorite books of his. It's yeah. it's one that I've read multiple times. Um, I think characterization is one thing that King does really well, and it's just got it's just chock full of great characters. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. I I love Stephen King too, but his like the really scary stuff like it. I I can't like I I've read that once a long time ago, and I'll I'll probably never read it again. Um, I like some of his other stuff a lot, but that's one where I don't know whether I think like you said, Justin. There are just some scenes in there that kind of you know touch you in a way that you're like, oh, all right. Um, maybe I, maybe I'm not ready for this, uh, and I think yeah. it is another one that I read pretty young too, because I I remember reading The Stand when I was, you know, probably 13, um, 
and you know some of the other ones that were out there and, and you know and again i think i think i do well all right with his short stories scary stories um but when it's a whole novel it it sometimes throws me for a loop so i learned something i've never read you know i think i've read a handful of stephen king's books but never it but i heard that there's a pretty graphic rape scene in the book that didn't make it to the tv show or anything i would not call it a rape scene um i mean it's certainly inappropriate and not like it's it's definitely something that i'm glad they left out of the movie um but it is it is consensual sex between the female um bev and all the other members all the male members of the uh, the losers club oh. yeah so um it is definitely not <laughs> not appropriate content that type of thing but not uh, but i would i would I don't know if I, I think calling it a, a rape scene is a, probably a bit of a not accurate depiction, but it's definitely something that it's not surprising they left out of the um, uh, left out of the movie. And, and King's, I, I haven't, I don't know if I've heard him speak on it recently, but I know his defense of it in, around that time was just kind cocaine. of the, <laughs> probably him being very high on cocaine, but. Um, it's it's the they do a different thing in the movie they do a thing where they like do like a blood uh they cut each other's palms and do like a blood ceremony because they it's it's the in the book it's supposed to connect them forever because they're losing they're all losing their virginity with her and um it kind of signals the transition from childhood to adulthood so uh that was kind of his reasoning for it existing in the book but again obviously it um you know, it's not. It's it's unusual that it's in there to begin with. So them leaving it out of the movie was obviously a good choice. Yeah, yeah I just hadn't heard that, and I heard yeah, he thought it was kind of integral to the story, and um, I just it was like a whole weird thing. But I'm glad you explained it because Shannon kind of mentioned it offhanded that, um, and I was like, oh, that's that's a weird. That's a weird thing. Like it's a weird twist on the story that I hadn't heard. That makes more sense, I guess. It it is, and it's and I should also mention too, it's consensual in that it's the, the idea is Beverly's idea. It is not anyone else's idea. It's her. So that's okay. that, that's why it's. But again, it's a it's, it's a it's uncomfortable and unusual that it's even in there. Um, and a good you know definitely not something they were gonna tackle in the movie. So that was that was good. Got it. When I get to that chapter i might have to skip it uh, yeah. yeah i mean i haven't read the book in so long i don't i don't know specifically how graphic it is or any i don't think it's graphic but um, not, yeah. yeah but it but it is i even i even remember I, I read it right around that age um thinking oh this is a little weird <laughs> but then it's king and there's always there's always stuff there's other stuff that happens in the book too between two uh, like the bully characters too when they're hanging out in like the at the the town junkyard or dump or whatever. There's kind of an odd scene where you're like, I I don't know why this of a sexual nature, and you're like, this is a kind of a strange thing that this is in here. But, yeah, I think think some of those scenes and just like the how kind of Stephen King defines kind of what what separated kind of going from childhood to manhood. Like I I like Stand by Me's kind of 
finding the dead body and confronting the police, a much better kind of coming of coming of age component than some of the stuff. I think something similar. Like, oh no, that's the kid who gets beat to death in was it Tommy Knockers? Like there are some things like that where I just I don't always enjoy that part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and as good as he is. And I, I think Stephen King is fantastic, but he, yeah, there are there's every once in a while there's something you're like that's that's kind of a weird choice. And again, you never know how much of it. And he's it, it, this isn't like us talking out of turn. He's talked about how coked out he was through much of the eighties. So um, I can't remember. I can't even remember which book it is. It might be Cujo. There's one of them that he literally does not remember writing. Yeah, huh. yeah. his book on writing. Yeah, his book on writing, which is it's uh, it is partially a kind of his um, I don't want to say instructional because it's definitely not instructional, but it's his theory on writing and the craft itself. Uh, but it's also very autobiographical, and I and it's it's definitely worth a read because there's a there's some funny stories in there too. But there's some other you know he's very candid about his uh, his drug abuse and his alcoholism and and the breakdown of you know his, him as a as a good parent and things like that. Yeah. I actually have a good story. I'll try to make it short, but, um, so I live in the same town as his son, Joe Hill. And Joe was doing, um, a book signing, a Q and a Q and a, a reading and a book signing at our local bookstore down the street. So Emily and I went to see it. And one of the questions, like he took questions after one of them was, what is it like work, working with your father? Just because he's such like a, popular author and everything and his basic response was have you ever seen looney tunes you know uh wildly coyote when he lights the rocket and just holds on and it goes flying in the air and he's flying off trying not to fall to the ground it's pretty much like that you <laughs> wow. just hold on and whatever happens happens that's interesting yeah. um i'll just mention my title real quick uh, i think we had some great ones to talk about i um because uh, I think Matt gave our friend Greg Ivany a copy of Horace Heresy, and Greg was like raving about it. Um, and I was like, you know what? There's a lot of those. Um, I'll try to listen to it. Um, and it's been, I'll tell you what, I, I loved listening to it, but it did one of those things where, like actual history, when I used to read history books, you know, I went and looked up all of like the other things that were going on, like, and I know it's all fiction, but there's such a, you know, there's such a fan base out there for 40 K that there's all, anything that's ever been written is in a Wikipedia somewhere, uh, for 40 K. So you can follow, like, I now know every character that was named in that book, where they ended up. And I know I'm spoiling a little bit of the story for myself, but it was hard not to. Um, and that was, that was but you kind of know what happens. The, the title of the book is Horace Heresy, you know, so you, you kind of know what happens. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed reading that. But, yeah, like I mentioned, too, I picked up a couple of the other uh, ones, the Eisenhorn ones, uh, as well as uh, a few other kind of titles. Uh, the Shattered Legion I haven't read yet. Um, uh, but those are I, – I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, they're they're long enough to keep me interested, you know, for me to get my value, uh, what I consider my value out of it. Horus Heresy is one of the shorter books uh, at 12 hours that I've gotten in a long time. Uh, usually, if it's under 20, I don't pick it up. Uh, for some reason, I like to have the really, really long ones. Um, 
but yeah, I've enjoyed that. And then most of what I've been reading is I, I like getting my sci-fi fix uh, through through books. Uh, so a book called The Collapsing Enter- Empire and another classic uh, one, Rendezvous with Rama, uh, was another one that I had uh, read as well. Uh, and again, those what I've been trying to do over the last five years is take everything that won a Hugo and a Nebula award and either read it or listen to it. Um, and some of the earlier ones are hard to get, uh, as audiobooks cause they never, nobody ever made them into an audiobook. Um, but that's what I've been trying to do. And rendezvous with a Rama was one of the ones that was on there. And then collapsing empire was just, just caught my fancy. Um, it's an interesting story about, you know, an empire that's connected by kind of wormholes. Um, and every once in a while, a wormhole will collapse. But what's happening uh, in the story is what you come to find out is all of them are going to collapse. Um, and what's going to happen when you have an empire that is used to being able to kind of quickly get to planet to planet. And it's kind of reminiscent of some of what we read about in 40K when kind of the empire of man was separated from each other. So that should be neat. You know, it's, that sounds cool. Have you guys ever heard of Seven Eves? No. It's just funny because, like, so I started a book. I I didn't finish it, but it's, like, I think it's, like, 28 hours, and it's called, it's, well, it's spelled seven E-V-E-S. I don't know if it's seven E-V-E-S or how how you say it. I can't remember. But it's interesting because it's about, um, it starts off a little slow, and then all of a sudden the moon cracks into seven pieces, and it is a weird apocalypse apocalyptic story because through some mathematical modeling they figure out that the moon is going to continue to shred over however long and eventually rain down on earth and when it rains down on earth it's going to burn up in the atmosphere and at some point there will be so much up in the atmosphere it'll almost like cook the earth and i I didn't finish it because it it gets really and it's like written by an engineering type well it's neil stevenson yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so he yeah his books can get really technical sometimes yeah so it's kind of like i wish they had like a skip i mean they do 30 seconds skip ahead but i wish <laughs> you could just edit out all that stuff because it gets a little bit dry but the story sounded really cool but i i anyway point is i should um i should grab that black hole one because i like those kind of stories but his writing style is a little bit heavy for me yeah uh yeah snow crash was uh one of the only ones i think i've ever read of his um i think i oh, started okay. I, Cryptonomicon. I, I, yeah i've i've uh i've heard of snow crash i didn't realize that was the same guy yeah so yeah um and then Cryptonomicon was another one because that's um that's a locus award winner uh and a hugo and clark award nominee but i never so it wasn't necessarily on my list but yeah i just i just grabbed the wikipedia page dave on that um uh, yeah, it's seven seven eves. It's all one word, so it's like seven with e v e s at the end of it. So, oh, and it's told like in three parts too. So, like some of it takes part like five thousand years in the future too. So, which is really crazy. Oh well, that's good. Maybe I'll keep listening then because this part's boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, again, I think it's uh, um, one of those things where I, I still like to try to read or listen to books. Um, I've actually been physically reading a book, uh, the stainless steel rats, uh, still so a stainless steel rat. Um, it is kind of 1960s sci-fi. Uh, it's very much kind of a, the guy is very much ha- like a Han Solo type character. 
Um, uh-huh. yeah, and it's, it's fun to read, uh, but it's basically what happens, you know, all the, he's a criminal that is finally caught. Uh, and the reason he's caught is because they need him to try to catch other criminals. Um, and it's kind of a classic kind of sci-fi book. Um, and I've been reading that and that's fun. And I see Justin may want to pipe in about one more book there. Or you just put it on the list to, uh, to well, have just cause, posterity. Cause... No, because Ian had spoken uh, of it. I let him borrow a thousand sons, and that's another Horace Heresy book. It's book number twelve, and it is—it's like one of those larger ones. It's like eight hundred pages. It's a real thick book, but it is like really good. Um, one of the best things I remember is just the—it's—it um, talks about all about the thousand sons um, and how they turn to chaos and whatnot. But the first time you see Magus—is uh, that his name? Magus? Ma- Magnus. Magnus. The first Magus time you see him. Red. Yeah, Magnus the Red. The first time you see him, he's a Primarch. Like, three of the main characters, I think one of them sees him from, like, a distance through binoculars, passes out. The other guy starts throwing up, and the other one just starts crying, like, because they're so happy. Like, they can't believe that they're getting a vision of this god. And, I mean, that's just the the type of book it is, like, so grand and just so cool. Um, It's definitely worth a read or a listen, um, if anyone's interested. That's interesting, yeah. Is that the one? Oh, sorry. Nope, no, you, you guys can go. I just had a Matt Alex update. He's uh, apparently sharing Onion articles on Facebook uh, <laughs> instead Classic. of joining joining us. So. That's all right. That's all right. We got we uh, we're uh, we're running over anyhow. We gotta we gotta yeah. keep moving anyhow. Um, so um, again, books have always been a, a big part of my life. I think that's what kind of got me into kind of nerddom in the first place. So I always like to start it off with that. But then I thought I'd move into some other media formats as well. Um, talk a little bit about some of the TV shows uh, that we've been watching as well. Uh, I, I'll go first this time. I'm going to be real brief. Um, I've always liked Star Trek. Uh, I've never been one of those guys that says Star Trek over Star Wars or Star Wars over Star Trek. Um, I was really interested to see what they were going to do with the new show Discovery. Uh, I did not buy CBS All Access when the first season came out, but midway through, I think, the second season, I did. Uh, and then I flew through uh, both seasons uh, pretty quickly. They they do enough things that are new and different to keep me interested, uh, but all still within a believable Star Trek universe. I'm super excited about season three because they go... I think it's like 900 years in the future. So it's further into the future than any Star Trek show has ever gone before. Um, like they're boldly going where no one has gone before. Um, Too easy. I'm, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to the next season of Star Trek discovery. Other than that, I really don't watch a ton of TV. Um, I have tried to go back and watch, episodes of the hundred uh, which is another cheeseball science uh, fiction post-apocalyptic cw special um but other than that i haven't really been watching a whole whole lot of tv uh i know there's a lot of great stuff out there right now but for whatever reason it's tv hasn't kind of been where i've focused any of my time but I know you guys have some in here as well, so I think we'll go right through the order again if uh, you guys are all right with that. We'll start with Ian. Yeah, so uh, I've been trying to – there's a whole bunch of stuff I haven't gotten to yet and a few things that I, I know I definitely need to check out, like the boys and stuff like that. 
but uh, the one thing that I did watch when it premiered, and uh, it's one season, ten episodes so far. I've watched each episode probably at least three, sometimes four times, but I absolutely love on FXX What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, if that name sounds familiar to you, it was a uh, it was a mockumentary movie done uh, probably probably seven or eight years ago now at this point by uh, Taika Waititi, whose name you may know from uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, he was the uh, writer and director on that. Um, what we do in the shadows, the movie is very good. I really like it, but the the TV show is even better. Uh, it's a mock documentary that follows uh, these group of vampires that live on Staten Island. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's just incredibly funny. It's, it's my type of humor. It takes a lot of the vampire tropes and does really funny things with them. Uh, it's incredibly quotable, um, laugh out loud stuff. And I, I absolutely love it. And, uh, I would highly recommend it. Definitely not for kids. Uh, it is very adult in nature, um, from the language to, uh, I mean, they're vampires. So there's occasionally some violence and stuff, but, uh, I absolutely love it and think it's, think it's hilarious. And I can't wait for the second season, uh, next, next year. And I know, uh, I know Dave's watched some or all of it. And I know Justin's watched some or all of it as well. Yeah. I agree. in the library. I'll let you guys go. <laughs> that's a movie that I always wanted to watch that I never watched. So then I'm like, I, I'm still kind of like, oh, I'm going to watch the movie, then I'll watch, then I'll uh, do the show. But I've done neither of those things yet. I've you never done the movie, the movie, and the show yeah. is great on its own, and it yeah. is hilarious. I will. It's um, it reminds me a little. I, I don't know if it is British TV, but it's got that like British TV dry sense of humor. Like I, I, I don't know. I think it's great, and they. They do a, a good job, like the energy vampire, um, who reminds me of somebody from The Office, and uh, it's really good. Yeah, you know well, that he, did, on the he did some shows for Flight of the Concords, which I did like a lot. Like I, I like that show a lot. Um, so yeah, it, I, it's one of those ones I just never jumped on. I know, I think Justin, you've watched all of it too, right? Yeah, so Ian kept telling me, oh, Stino, this is hilarious. You're going to love it. Like every Tuesday when I saw him for, I don't know, maybe like a month or something, I was like, you know what? My wife's out of town. I'll finally I'll watch it. And uh, I watched, what are there, eight, nine, ten episodes? Just 10, I just, yeah. I watched all of them like two times through. It is hilarious. So I, um, I jumped to uh, his, uh, Taika Watiti. Taika Watiti. I, I wanted to see, because I knew he had written for Flight of the Concords, so he'd done a couple episodes of that. Um, and he, obviously, What We Do in Shadows, he actually did three episodes of that. But apparently, he has directed at least one episode of The Mandalorian. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. An upcoming title for us. Uh, Can't on wait Disney for that. Plus. Yeah, He's but we're not so... doing on Aeon on the Radar. Nope, nope. <laughs> we will not talk about the future. I was just going to say, future, we will be able to talk about this. Will be part of the roll call. We are not talking about the future. It's all the past because this can be our greatest episode ever. It can talk about everything we did and then we stop. And there's not, we didn't mention anything <laughs> in the future. So if we end this, we have a great way to end it. <laughs> okay. All right. 
right. So, all right, uh, Dave, you listed a show that um, I haven't fully caught up with, uh, but I really, really liked the books uh, that it's based on, and I like how they keep things the same yet different. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I put down the expanse um because i kind of the opposite of andy i watch a lot of tv like a lot of baking shows get watched around my house a uh, lot of riverdale um so i was trying to think of shows that like i really um i really enjoy that are kind of sci-fi related star trek discoveries definitely on there um but i went back and started kicking through the expanse because that was another one i started but then for some reason it fell off my radar and I went back to, um, and I'm not totally caught up, but it's just a really good, um, it's a really good show. And I, I haven't kept up with the books, but aren't like eight books or something crazy now? Yeah, I think, and a new one just came out too. Uh, I'm too behind on the books, um, only because it, it happens with a series like that where, you know, it's actually two people that are writing it. Um, so they flip back and forth um in terms of writing it so the they were coming out pretty fast and then there was a little bit of a gap um so i fell behind as well but yeah they're he, they're pretty prolific with this series and and again the way they're doing it you know they have some not to spoil stuff but they have some cool stuff that basically allows them to leave our galaxy in a and really kind of continue the storyline and, and right. have new stories come out of it yeah, no. So I mean, I got, I, I think I got far enough to kind of get the concept. And there was this part of me that was like, they, they did so much. And I think two books that I was like, wow, how are they going to like, what could they possibly do with six more? Um, but I guess, you know, it's funny that you say it that way. Cause they do, they, they open themselves up in like two books to really kind of take the story almost anywhere they want. But, um, but the book, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because minor spoilers but the there's a girl um julie mao julia mao yeah yeah so like she what i like about the that they do with the whole story but they actually do a good job in the tv shows you know in tv shows when somebody is investigating someone's murder you're always like "Ah, what are they gonna like it's too bad that you don't get to know the murder victim very well right because and in this um book and in the tv show they they actually have a really good actress who's a murder victim and at first i'm like oh it's interesting like that they got someone who's like she seems really good and capable uh as an actress but she's not going to be in in much of it but then they they tie her in throughout the whole story um which again having the book i was like easy to write little bits but i didn't know that they would dedicate an actress to it but um i don't know it, it, it's it's for a sci-fi show it does a really good job of focusing in on like two or three characters and really developing them well and um and she does end up becoming kind of this cool integral part of the overall story um but yeah it's just been really good um i'm, I'm super impressed with it <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's one doing of the few it. shows I watch without, like, I put on a lot of crap while I'm painting. Like, I will only watch that if I'm going to sit and watch it without distraction. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So what is a show that you watch when painting now? I'm just curious. Oh, boy. Um, that's funny. Now I feel on the spot. What do I put on? I put, like, I'll watch, um, I can't even remember. Is, is the 100 the one where they come down off the spaceship? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like, kids. That, it's all like teenagers. Like they're, yeah, they're basically they were condemned, but then everybody ends up down there. Um, yeah. 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 So like that's one. Pretty much any of the trash sci fi shows that are on either Netflix or Amazon Prime. Like I, I do not care how bad they are. I'll put them on and, cool. and watch. I, I watch um, Travelers, which was just recently canceled. Um, like none of them are are great. I actually want to go back and and watch the one. Um, what was the oh, anyway? Now I'm just rambling. But there's so many. That's there's all right. Too much TV. So Stino, you put one on here for shows that I just I. I hear a lot about, but I have no idea what's going on. Anytime I see it, I'm just like, "What? what's happening here? I have no idea what's happening. So that must be Big Mouth, I assume? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so season three just came out. That's a um, a cartoon on Netflix, and it follows a group of, I think they're, I don't remember, what, I think they're, they're just going through puberty. Um, it's a bunch of kids, and it's just raunchy. Like, when you go through puberty, you get assigned a hormone monster who's, like, basically your hormones like personified and you're the only one that can see it and all the main characters have these creatures and you know it's all about um going through this time in your life but it's by nick kroll and john mulaney and it's like super super raunchy but it's so funny um i don't even know how to explain it no i think that was pretty good that's pretty much it but like i'm trying to give you examples or something but my wife and i we love it it's just so funny they have like crazy off-the-wall references like the an episode we just watched the school puts on a play of the 1994 movie disclosure with Catherine zeta jones and michael douglas which is just totally random <laughs> it's, it's hilarious awesome and you mentioned another title like it looks like a halloween related <laughs> one so um, my wife is a halloween freak and so we subscribe to shutter and she like likes to put on stuff when she's working of course because she works from home and she just puts on like halloween like horror trash, just like the crappiest horror movies in the world with titles like Bloodbath or stuff like that. And it, it's just so fun to watch like these old 80s and 90s horror movies that are just like people getting cut in half in like the most comically comic way possible and terrible actors and bad lighting and bad special effects. It's just total cheeseball stuff, but it's great. Yeah, that uh, is he, awesome. Yeah, Ian, did you have a subscription to sh- you have a subscription to Shutter now, right? I have Shutter, yeah, because I wanted to check out the Creep Show uh, anthology series, um, and I've been the same thing. I've been watching really bad '80s horror movies. Last week, I watched uh, Black Christmas, um, Slumber Party Massacre. <laughs> and, I've seen Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah, and uh, oh shoot, there was another old '80s one that I that I watched. Um, yeah, I like to watch scary movies during October, or at least you know, supposed to be scary movies. Some of these, some of these '80s ones are are pretty comical. A little more also, than scare. Yeah, yeah big time. That's and also, also on Shutter, it's a uh, Joe Bob's Last Drive-In. So I don't know if you, Ian, what was his old show called? Monster Monster Vision. Uh, Monster Vision with Joe Bob yeah. Briggs. Yeah. Oh, I've so, seen some of that. Yeah, it's like a revival of that. And that's great. I mean, he watches all these cheeseball old horror movies, and then he cuts in to comment on them, and he'll even have, like, interviews with some cast members and stuff, and that's fun. That uh, There's, like, probably 30 episodes now, and I think he's coming back for a second season. Um, but it, that that's really good. If anyone out there has Shutter or is thinking about getting it, you, get a, you can do, like, a one-week free trial. If you hunt around on the internet, you can get promo codes for, like, a month, two months, three months, and it's definitely worth it, the trial, at least, for just Joe Bob alone. That's awesome. All right, so TV shows obviously kind of take up some of our kind of digital media. Um, I wanted to mention movies. Um, I know 
I know Ian and Justin go to the kind of go to the the retro movies every month as well. Um, but uh, I wanted to mention one or two movies that we've been watched lately. Again, you know, it's been a while, so you know, movies have come and gone since we've last recorded. Um, I wanted to mention one that I thought was going to be awesome uh, because it featured giant cities on wheels attacking other giant cities on wheels um and it was peter jackson directing it's awful um oh, i wanted to see it but it's cool but the, it oh my god so it's sky pirates as well oh my god they had so many so many cool things they had in like an undead necron type warrior um oh my god who was in every Every little story that they start in that movie has the worst, like, ending to it. Like, they're just like, they're like, wait, how did you get out of that? No, no, that was terrible. Like, it shouldn't be more legends. It should have been, uh, uh, I don't know. It was it just not, <laughs> I was so disappointed. I was so absolutely disappointed by it. Um, I'm pretty sure that's when I watched on an airplane, um, while I was traveling. Um, and I was like, I'm glad, I'm glad I was trapped in this metal can watching this and didn't have a choice to get up and leave. Um, but yeah, it was not, did any of you guys see it? I wanted to, nope. because it, it looked it. cool, but I, I could tell when it got very little marketing, uh, and it looked super expensive that it was going to tank. Um, because yeah. it, it just—it's not a movie for mainstream audiences. It's—it's a—it just looks too insane. And but I mean that made me want to look at it. I mean uh, watch it because you're looking at it and you're like, uh, there's literally giant cities on like tank treads and stuff. Like oh yeah, almost, it looked insane. But and I'll probably watch it eventually. But um, but I have not seen it yet. Yeah. Um. I, apparently it was a it was a book before. So maybe I'll go back and look at the book um but the i'm trying to see what it got for reviews on um box is off. it uh is it a good hobby movie like to have on when you're painting or something it could um it could be uh rotten tomatoes yeah rotten tomatoes 27 percent oh all right yeah yeah, and even yeah, like, and it's not a good twenty percent. <laughs> like, every once in a while, you know, there's one that people put a low rank on, but still is all right. But yeah, um, yeah, you could have it on when you're painting in the background. But there's there's like scenes that just don't make any sense, um, and you feel like you need to pay attention, and you've paid attention, and then you're like, this, you, we didn't need this. Like, you could have you could have skipped to this entire scene and got us there faster. So, yeah. So that was, uh, I also want to, I did. And again, we can, I don't know if anyone else, uh, wants to mention it too. I did watch the other big one I've seen recently was Avengers Endgame as well. Um, which was fun. Um, but I'll, I'll, in the interest of time, kind of keep moving. Uh, Ian, I know you didn't mention uh, anything specifically. I didn't know if you came up with something in the interim. If not, we can jump right over to Dave. Yeah, no, I I watched so many things. I, I haven't been to the movies for a new movie. We did watch it, Chapter 2, as Ju- Justin mentioned, which I did enjoy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I see so many retro movies and, and things like that that I didn't I didn't really have anything in particular to, to talk about. So what's been your favorite retro movie then, recently then? Um, let's see. Most A couple of weeks ago was Fright Night, 
which um, I don't, I, if I saw it when I was a kid, I remembered nothing about it um, and uh, had fun with that. Um, Justin and I went to see Fist of the North Star. So that uh, that's on my list because we got to talk about that. Yeah, um, I was uh, uh, enhanced. <laughs> we'll say, yeah, we'll we were that. both very enhanced. Uh, for the experience, and it was almost too intense. Um, that was the first me. time either of us had seen it. Yeah, and it's... Have it's, you seen it, Andy? No, I had seen it. I had seen it, but I had oh, not I, seen it in a um, I think so. Um, it's I'm the trying cartoon, to look at not, it right not now. the live action, the cartoon. No, 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 I know. Because um, that would have been... When would this come out? Uh, I was trying to see. It's, it's an 80s. 89. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know pretty, if I saw this one. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense, and it's got some just unbelievable crazy stuff in it. Uh, so that was <laughs> it, it. Ended up being a good experience, but there were a couple parts, especially early on. There's like it shows like sort of like the World War Three Holocaust, and there are like literally people melting and 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 things like that. And it and I was <laughs> I had a minute where I was like I might have to get up and go. Um, yeah, me too. Because <laughs> it was it was bad. very just very intense. But I kind of settled in, and then there's one point where like this like heavy metal music starts and he's like these mad max biker dudes and i was like okay i'm gonna be okay (laughs) that's awesome but it was fun it was a fun experience um but yeah that movie's bonkers (laughs) that's funny how about you dave you had a couple titles on there one of which i wanted to talk about with you yeah i uh i mean i've seen a ton of movies but most recently uh dex and i sat down and watched uh i think it's spider-man homecoming far from home is Far the new from one. home, yeah. There you go. Far from home, um, which was um, my first movie that I've seen after the End Game. I don't know if that's the only one. Um, I think it is. But, yeah. Yeah. So it's just uh, so there's a there's a ton to talk about the movie. I'll just say like as a movie, it was really good. It was entertaining. Dex really liked it. Um, as part of the whole universe, it was. Um, like they're they're doing a really good job of making a movie that you can watch, right? Like Dexter had fun watching it, but then as a fan, they just plug in little things that like um that tie it back to the overall experience, right? Like I don't know what they call it, the blip or whatever, but they they had a scene where like kids were talking and they're like, Oh, well, because we blipped in the middle of the school year, we had to start the school year over. So not fair. That's <laughs> like, wow, that's funny. Cause that would actually happen. Um, but overall I thought it was good. I don't know what you thought, Andy. I haven't actually seen that one. That's not the one I wanted to uh, talk to you about. The other oh, well, that... Spider-Man. So that's a great one. Um, and then the other one was, uh, my red box special. Uh, I'm a huge fan of John wick. And, uh, so John wick three came out and, um, for those that don't know, it's really cool about the John wick. Like I, I want, I'm pretty sure there's going to be at least one more, if not more, but when the next one comes out, I really want to just sit and watch all four back to back. Cause they, they are one continuous movie. Like they just don't stop. Yeah. And in fact, if, if you start watching three and have, for, and forgot that, um, it seems weird. Because you don't realize it is literally the moment two ends, three starts. Oh yeah, because I, I actually had to pause and go back and read the the Wikipedia for two because I'm like, oh, what happened at the end? And I was like, oh yeah, okay, now I remember. Um, but yeah, it just it, it and and what's funny, like what's funny is there's nothing about the movie 
like there's nothing new about the movie that's good like what john wick does really well is it creates a very deep and detailed universe with a code of laws and ethics for like hardcore assassins and that's great and then like the rest of it is just fighting and shooting and more fighting and oh our gun jammed so now we have to fight with knives and our knives broke now we have to fight with pocket knives now we have to fight with i mean they just it's just crazy um and gory but i just thought it was great i don't know what you thought andy not to spoil a lot but there is one scene where he no no lie spends like screen time a minute assembling a gun putting a bullet in to shoot one guy and then it gets it and then it goes into another scene, but like it slows down the pace and you're like, wait, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Right. And they are able to slow down the pace of a very like intense scene to then all of a sudden explode into like a violent fight scene. But they, it, he, they slowed it down in such a creative way by having him like do something that was almost like relaxing to him. And it really didn't help him that much. He killed one guy out of 20 with this, Right thing that took him like a minute, uh, but it's to a do. really memorable scene. It's funny because I remember that scene like exactly. So yeah, yeah, and I think and they did that to great effect where they were able to kind of slow down the pace of what was happening. Um, yeah, and the at uh, the um, actor slash actress that plays the adjudicator um, yeah. is, is she, she's in a show called Billions as well, which I don't really like, but I like her character uh i thought she was so cool in this and i'm i'm happy i'll be happy to see more of her in the next one yeah yep. yeah 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 so yeah if you guys yeah oh, sorry you, go ahead do you guys watch those i sadly have not seen any of the john wick movies i know i need to i haven't and i but it's on my short list it's definitely one i don't is it streaming on is the original streaming on like netflix or anything like that right now i don't know yeah i don't know either it's uh, so funny how those things become uh, like in the lexicon, like it's a video game thing now. Like I hear, like Kale's, my my thirteen year old son Kale's never seen John Wick, but I'll hear him on like Fortnite or Apex Legends or something, and and he's like, "Oh, this guy's a total John Wick," and it's like you haven't even seen that movie. Right, right. <laughs> that is interesting that that's already happened. Um, yeah, but it makes perfect sense because I know exactly what kind of character that would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, right. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, because they're even doing a spinoff, Dave. Um, with with the ballerinas, so some of the ones from the uh, the Russians. Uh, uh, supposedly, there's going to be a, a spinoff of that. Have you seen any of them, Stino? I watched the first one, and I like I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I really like Keanu Reeves in general. He's just such a pretty pretty cool dude. Um, but I haven't seen the second or third one. I know. I yeah, have, but... it literally just keeps going from one to the next to the other. Like <laughs> like you said, Dave, when four comes out, it would be fun to do like a little marathon when you watch all three kind of back to back. Yeah. Yeah. See it. yeah. Excellent. All right, Steve, we're going to we're going to keep it moving along here. You mentioned Fifth of the North Star and I think you already mentioned uh it uh chapter 2. Um any other titles you wanted to throw in there before we kind of close out our movie? No, Ian and I pretty much watch the same movies in theater, so that's uh that's pretty much it. It chapter 2 definitely gets two thumbs up. Emily and I went and saw it again for her birthday. Um, and, uh, it, I, I, I just, I really like it and she does too. Yeah. Cool. Highly recommended. 
Nice, nice. All right, so um, in the interest of time, uh, I want to kind of keep moving through. So we, we've talked about some of kind of the media that we consume, but uh, obviously a big part of what we use our hobby time for is games, uh, whether it be board games, video games, uh, tabletop games, RPGs. Uh, so I thought it'd be nice to talk about a few of the games we've been playing lately. Um, I think we can probably jump over 40K, even though we've been playing a lot of that, because I think we're going to dedicate an entire show to that soon. Uh, so I thought we'd talk a little bit about some of the start with some of the board games that we've been playing. I'm gonna I'll keep the conversation going, but I'm gonna let you guys talk about this a little bit more because, to be honest, I I haven't really played that much in terms of board games. The, the only ones I listed were literally the two that I've played in the last six months. I think. Um, What'd so you play I, at my house? We had we had my birthday party. You you got a few. I literally played Dice Throne, Space Base, and Tomb, and that was it. I think. Oh okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't going to talk about Tomb on this show because that's just <laughs> like. Well, I, I'll mention it briefly. That was that was the first time where I think I had Tomb burnout um, on the regular version of Tomb without all the extra special stuff. Uh, I don't know if it was because uh, we kept getting interrupted or what, but I um, I didn't. I didn't have as much fun with it as I I have I've had in the past, um, and I think that might just be because there's other I don't want to say tomb like games out there, but it just it wasn't as much fun. Even though it was great to sit down with that larger group to play, I think there are more games out there that larger groups can play that we have more fun with. So yeah, I think, I think, I think it wasn't I think it wasn't as fun because Greg was there. To be honest. <laughs> It might have been. I don't the know. Like, effect. No, it was one of those things, too, where, yeah, I think bad things were happening to certain people over and over again, and good Me. things were happening to, <laughs> well, like I, I, like, I couldn't lose. Like, where I was sitting, I was lucky. Like, all of it was. Um, I got TPK'd early, and that's so hard to come back from. Right. Well, it's funny because I jumped out in the out in the dungeon early, but I was able to bounce around quite a bit. I don't know. I just lucked out, I guess. Um, and I think that is a lot. There's a lot to that if you luck out in the beginning. But the other game that we did play there, I'll let you talk a little bit about um, Ian, only because that was you kind of even put together a little tournament tournament around. Yeah, Dice Throne. That's a game that uh, I know Dave likes a lot, and it's a good... You can play it multiplayer, and we did that this spring. Um, it, it's funny, it's been so long since we've recorded that there's been a a whole bunch of events that we've done. We we went camping up in Vermont to Dave's in-laws camp, um, played board games all weekend, played wiffle ball, had a good time up there, bought Amish pie. Yeah. That was amazing. Um, but anyway, uh, our buddy Christian introduced us to Dice Throne up there, and he had the starter box, the first one, which comes with like six or eight characters. And we played it multiplayer, and I did not care for it multiplayer. Um but just, I liked the mechanics of it. It's it's very much like Yahtzee meets Magic the Gathering, like that type of thing. It's because uh, it, um, you do have dice, and you you can go for your dice have different uh, icons on them, and you can go for you know large straight Yahtzee type things. And and the better you do with the dice, the more damage you deal to your opponent, and you try and knock your opponent out. I don't think it works well as a multiplayer game, just like I, I love Magic the Gathering, I do not like it as a multiplayer game, and Dice Throne I think really shines in two-player mode, and they put out a second season which comes with four box sets that are two characters each, so it's self-contained in the box. Uh, I bought one of the sets, I bought the the Seraphim versus the uh, Vampire, 
and um, got my wife Amy to play. She loves it. Uh, it's one that we really, she loves it so much that she authorized the purchase of the other <laughs> uh, sets. Um, so we we own all of the second season. Uh, but it's just it, it plays pretty fast. Uh, fun mechanics with the dice uh, and and that push your luck element because it is very much like Yahtzee. You get three rolls, you know, to try and get the best roll you can to to damage your opponent, and your opponent can uh, defend them. And then there are certain power ups that you have that you can spend. So uh, just a just a really fun, quick two player game. And I know Dave likes it a lot as well. You don't know anything about me. Just sh- <laughs> shut up, no. Dan. I mean, Dave. <laughs> well, I like any uh, kind of dice push your luck game, right? So I like gambling, and it's pretty much it, it's it's a gamer's version of of Yahtzee, really, because um, you you take your Yahtzee result and and compare it to your character's abilities, and and you get to get to go. And I, I would say the part that always surprises me in um and in some ways it's what makes this game fun and then also um i don't want to say it's not competitive because you're playing head to head but it's not a game that you can like that you can win with strategy um and and what i was going to say surprises me it's always even i I would say games more than nine times yeah. yeah more than nine times out of ten so you know, ninety-five times out of a hundred, like you know, I was playing, uh, I was teaching uh, Chris Ehas the game, and at one point it was like twenty-five to forty, and he's like, "Oh, I'm just getting crushed," and I'm like, "I'm telling you, this game always comes around." Just, and then at the end, it was like twelve to ten, and I think the game ended, you know, six to zero. Like I, I did end up winning, but it was like. I had six life left, so he easily could have got me with his next dice roll. I just, I just happened to get lucky with some evades, but, um, but it's it's fun art. It's simple. Uh, I, you know, I play with my kids. I can play with Ian. Uh, you know, so smart people like my kids or people like Ian. Either way, it's just good all around. I like game. <laughs> I like to. There's uh, each of the characters play differently too. I mentioned the seraphim and the uh, and the vampire. There's uh, there's a gunslinger. There's a samurai. Uh, there's like a tactician general type dude. Um, there's like a, a mad scientist tinkerer dude that makes robots. Uh, and and they each play very differently, and so it's kind of fun to mix and match the box sets and and play the different characters against each other. Um, but yeah, the, the games are super close. Of all the games that Amy and I play. Uh, like Dave said, nine out of ten times it comes down to whoever wins. Uh, like the other person, if they had one more roll, probably would have uh, would have been able to win. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah. I it, I had an okay time playing it. Like I said, it's it, it is very Yahtzee like. Um, but I think the way you set up the kind of the tournament made it a, a little bit more fun to play that day too. Yeah, it was. Good. I mean, there's eight of them, so it was a natural thing to just just kind of set up a quick tournament. We kind of did. Who, which character did you end up with, Andy? Um, I think I was the samurai. Yeah, the samurai. Uh, and the I samurai, played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played Rafe, uh, who's the gunslinger, and then I played Matt, who was the general or the tactician. Tactician, probably. Tactician, yeah. yeah. And then I was close, but that's one where Matt just needed to get an engine going, and once he got it going, it crushes you where i think the samurai is kind of more standoffish 
gets a few hits in here and there, but against anybody that's eventually going to build up an engine, they're going to wipe you out. What about you, Stino? You play? Did you play it all that day? Yeah, I played that day. I played up in Vermont, and I've played a couple times since then. And I like the game in general and the theme and everything, but these Yahtzee-type games, whenever you're relying on rolls, I always... I uh, know I, I I tend to push my luck a lot and I it never works out ever ever. It's That's terrible. Funny. That's awesome. <laughs> but I have fun. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you on that. Yeah, some of those are more fun than others when you get to push, uh, kind of push your luck. Um, all right, um, Dave, you wrote two down here. Uh, one um, I've seen you play. Uh, the other I didn't even know you owned. Uh, so I'll let you go next with a couple of the games you mentioned. Yeah, well, I just wanted to call out. So we played Time Stories uh, in that game uh, has come up on the show before, and uh, it's a favorite of Christian Flores, and he um, just brought it up. Was like, hey, I really want to play this again, and I can't remember if uh, I, I can't remember if Rafe had to cancel or somebody had to cancel. So anyway, we ended up kind of pulling together a a day where we play time stories and it just is a game that delivers like it's fun. Um, it's, it's got a really cool mechanic. Uh, I'm not going to go into it, but it's, it's an experience. Um, it's a different game than any I've played before. It's cooperative. Um, but it's like, a you use time as a resource. And so there's some resource management, uh, but the way that they, the, the way the game works, like the, the one we played before was very puzzle. You're traveling back to like this ancient era and, um, and it felt that way. This one was a little bit more like fantasy driven and a fantasy story. And it felt like it really felt that way. Um, and uh, it just, it's just, it's just a really good game. Uh, the other one, I actually own both Walking Dead games. Uh, the Walking Dead All Out War, which is based on the comic, and uh, The Walking Dead No Sanctuary. And for um, our four avid listeners, um, you'll remember that we interviewed the guys that did The Walking Dead No Sanctuary Kickstarter. And uh, I have... I got it at the at the auction recently, and um, so I dragged it out and made my family play. And um, <laughs> yeah, just I like set it up on the table, and I was like, "This is what we're doing tonight." And there was a lot of hemming and hawing, but they all played. And Shannon was a real, um, uh, she was actually like a really good cheerleader to kind of like get the kids into it. And Dexter had a lot of fun because there's little minis. Um, I won't say it's the best game in the world, but um, but it was. I think because we play so many games, it's really hard to um, like, we can be really harsh critics for a game, but what I will say is it did a really good job of, um, of making choices difficult. So the way the game works is, is one person is assigned to be the leader and everybody's got a hand of yellow, red and green cards, right? So yellow is, you want to be cautious. Green is you're kind of okay. And red is you want to like be reckless. And so then as a leader, you get two cards and you have to pick the one you want to play. And you can't say I have a red card. You got to be like, all right, guys, like, do we want to go, you know, crazy or whatever. And so you're trying to like gather where everybody wants you to go. And then the cards you play, um, you need people to like match you. Right. So if, if, if I only have, yellow and green cards and you play a red card and i so that means i play a yellow well i stress the group out because we're not in cohesion and um and 
it's it's actually a really neat game so i do want to try it at some point i know that we all get a little bit of game fatigue um but uh i'm gonna try to paint up at least the stuff that we need for the first mission and see if i can get you guys to give it a shot um but i'll play yay yeah i also own the other one the walking dead all out war um i own a lot of that uh because i backed that when they did their kickstarter well, they did see that's a good like that is a more that is a miniature game, right? So yeah. like, that's actually like moving miniatures and you're playing on this tiny little board. And I, I really like that. And I've got some of mine painted and I'd love to play more of that. This is a little bit more of actually like a board game. So you play on a grid and you're you're not actually having like like you don't measure miniature movement. It's like, OK, I'm in this grid. Are there zombies in the grid? And then there are things that you can do to like interact and like knock zombies down or search for treasure or, or uh, they don't call it treasure, but supplies. Um, so this one's a little bit more abstract. But anyway, we'll, we'll uh, maybe we'll have a Walking Dead weekend Day. or something. That, that sounds like a perfect one to throw in the car for the Nerd Herders Winter Retreat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I would do that one. Yeah. All right. Um, Stino says he doesn't like board games anymore and has quit the podcast. Uh, <laughs> now he had to step away, so we're gonna keep moving, um, and we're we're doing pretty well here. So I, I want to move on to um, an area I think that consumes a it consumes a lot of my time right now um, because I do. I do have more of an opportunity to play uh, video games because uh, I can do that at the end of the night, uh, or I can play hooky from work for an hour or two and play uh so i still play a ton of video games both on my xbox as well as my pc um so i um i wanted to uh hear dave talk a little bit about his first only because i know ian also plays that same game um so dave why don't you tell us a little bit about uh original sin 2 yeah um so I did play uh, Divinity Original Sin, and I found that game to be a little difficult. It it did get hit um, in a lot of reviews just for the fact that it was a little D&D-esque and that it wasn't like it didn't do what most video games do, of kind of telling you where to go. Um, but I heard they fixed that in Original Sin 2, so I picked it up. Um, just for those that don't know, it is a game where you play. I mean, it, it is very D and D esque, and um, that you you pick a character. Um, you're playing with swords and magic and sneak sneakery and bows and arrows. It's not like uh, you know, it's, it's a fantasy age realm with magic and psionics and all of that. And um, and you you can collect allies, so you can collect a party, or you can play solo. It's totally up to you. And then you just gear up, right? So you fight low-level monsters, you gear up, you get experience. Um, and I think I'm level 17. I, I have not beaten it yet. I actually stepped away from it. Um, I got a little bit of burnt out. Um, but I have, I think I have like, I probably have like 70 hours of playtime into it. Wow, um, that's pretty good. Yeah, it says 380, but sometimes I leave it on overnight or I'll leave it on all day at work. Uh, so I know it's not accurate, so I'm, I'm kind of guessing, but I would guess it's like 40 to 80 hours of gameplay. And, um, and it's just done a really good job of actually, like, it puts little flat, like, it'll put a marker on the map. So it's like, I'm, I'm stuck. You know, you could have 13 or 
30 quests open at a time and you're like well i don't know what to do next i'll just go to this red flag and then it'll kind of pick up um a quest for you that you can kind of move on uh, but ian i know you you've played some of it right yeah i i like it on the console and i got it when it came out last year uh it's funny because it was it's crazy i was thinking man that that came out like august of last year uh i played it a bunch when it first came out and i got to an area where I was kind of stuck because I was a little underpowered for like all the quests that were around me. And I was having to kind of make my way very carefully across the map um, so as not to get into combat. Uh, but I, I do, I, it's one I'll definitely go back to because I really, I really enjoyed the first one. Um, I had the same frustrations you did. It, it didn't, it didn't have a good quest system as far as showing you where to go. Uh, so a lot of, I, I don't think there's been any game that I've put that much time into that I had to consult the internet more than yeah. that first Divinity game because it's like, oh, and then <laughs> and you could tell it was something that a lot of people needed help for because I'd put in like Divinity Original Sin, you know, blah, blah, Lighthouse, and it would auto-fill the rest of it, and I'd be like, okay, there, <laughs> that's where I need to go. So I definitely like it. It, it is very D&D, &D, uh, not only in just the theme and that it's sword and sorcery and magic and, and leveling up, but also it's very much like a tabletop RPG because it is, uh, the combat is turn-based, and there's initiative order, and you have a certain amount of actions that you can do uh, within your turn, whether it's casting spells or, or you know, firing a bow or uh, running up and attacking a, a, an enemy. So, um, And I thought the voice acting was really good. The story is really good. Uh, it's very the, – the loot drops and things are, are super fun because it's like, oh, man, I got something really cool that I can upgrade now. Yeah, really, I really enjoyed the first one. I think the second one's even better. They took out a lot of the uh, the stuff that was frustrating in the first one, added some really cool characters and different playable races. Uh, you can play as Undead now in the new one. Um, yeah, so I, I stepped away from it, but I will definitely go get back to it because I, I really, really like it. I just hadn't had time to uh, to jump back into it. Yeah. Can you imagine if it was like the late 80s, early 90s, and you had a question about like a mission and you wrote a letter to Nintendo Power Magazine and then <laughs> well, waited Nintendo a month for like the letter to come back to tell you what you needed to do for that one quest? They had to hope it got published. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Nintendo had a tip line, though. Do you guys remember that? I, don't, I never called it, but I, I don't. I don't remember that, but I've heard stories of it, yeah. Well, and the best thing was, you know, back then, because we were kids, that's what you'd go to school and be like, oh, man, I'm stuck on this or whatever. And hopefully you had a friend that, that knew the <laughs> the next step for you or whatever. Right. You, you can't you can't go into the office now and be like, oh, man, I'm stuck yeah. on this. Yeah, I guess <laughs> you could in some offices, but it's not going to work in mine. Guys, how do you beat Ganon? Yeah. Yeah. Once again, too bad Matt's not here because another childhood memory. I remember him. He had graph paper notebooks. Well, he'd like map out the dungeons in Legend of Zelda and stuff, and he subscribed to Nintendo Power, and he sent he'd like get all the strategy guys, and he'd send like questions to the Nintendo, and he called the tip line and everything, and all that stuff. It was just really funny. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so original sin, I know that was one, that, and then um, the other one um, that was on both Justin and Ian's list uh, was uh, BattleTech. Now, which BattleTech are you guys talking about here? This is the current one from Hairbrain Scheme. Uh, oh. Yeah, it came out maybe a year ago. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's been on my wish list. It occasionally it'll go on sale. Actually, it goes on sale fairly regularly. Uh, and I just um, – we didn't have a great computer before. Uh, we upgraded in the spring. So most – it was like two weeks ago. It was on sale for like 13 bucks on GOG. So I was like, oh, I, you know, I got – 
an extra 13 bucks I'll throw at it and I absolutely love it. It is um it is very much XCOM with mechs. It's uh it's turn-based. Uh your movement is mapped out just like in XCOM and then it shows you your percentages to hit just like in XCOM with each, you know, for each enemy with each weapon. Um in between missions you have to upkeep your your ship and your mechs and repair them and retrofit and uh refit them with different weapons and you can swap in, you know, and it's like you can do salvage missions where you uh, or you can choose to to take salvage on a mission so you can pick up eventually you can pick up enough parts of a mech to build a new mech uh you can scrap stuff you can hire new mech warriors and the combat and stuff is just super fun it's incredibly um it's it's very much like the tabletop game which we've also been playing a lot um recently and uh but it's just incredibly satisfying when you score a really good hit and like your enemy mech's like arm blows off or or something like that or or like the tanks and stuff you can just walk up and stomp on them so super fun game uh, i'm really really enjoying it and um Justin loves like the Mech Warrior universe and and mechs and stuff in general. So I was like, oh, you gotta you gotta play it. And I think Justin, you had already bought it, but you hadn't played it much. But but he and and then our buddy Dan Roberts, um, good friend uh, and listener of the show, uh, has been playing it a ton. So he's been giving us tips and tricks as well. But um, I'm I'm loving it, and I know Justin is as well. Yeah. So I actually um, backed the Kickstarter before the game even came out when it was still a concept. And I've always loved giant robots. I like Battletech. I used to sneak into – it always comes back to Matt. I used to sneak into Matt's – he used to play Battletech, and I'd sneak into his room when he wasn't home. It's almost like Matt was here. Just the, all <laughs> these know. stories involve Matt. Yeah. <laughs> and I – well, he I get all of my nerdage from him. And I'd sneak into his room when I wasn't supposed to, and I'd like, go through his source books and just look at the mechs and all the cool pictures and stuff. And I used to like watch all the Robotech and Gundam and all that stuff. Um, but so I, I, ba- I backed the Kickstarter. It came out, and I did the first mi- couple missions, and I – just didn't get the hang of it because I never actually played the game, even the tabletop. Um, and then, what was it, like a month ago, I think I played the tabletop for the first time. I was like, oh, okay, I get this. I'll go back to the game. And it's been so much fun. Um, just so satisfying. Like Ian said, you, like you're, you take a targeted shot at this dude's center tour, so you know that if you don't kill him, he's going to like blow away the rest of your whole lance that's half dead already. And you just the PPC hits in just the right place, and the mech explodes, and it's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I would just like to throw out there that because you brought it up, I re-downloaded it because it's in my library, and uh, I think I've played through like seven missions in the last week. <laughs> nice. I've seen you, you on we'll, yeah. we'll add you to our Facebook chat with Dan Roberts because he – I mean too because I backed a Kickstarter as well, and I played a ton of this. Um, but it – there's a point – I don't know how far you guys are into the story, but there's a point – where the galaxy kind of opens up and you can see all these other planets, but there's no, like, you can't really go, you can't go yeah. to them. Or when you go to them, there's no point in going to them. Like, so on, on that note, there's, so I, I'm a real big PC gamer and I like modding my games and everything. I found a mod online that totally redoes like the combat system and all kinds of stuff. And also it has like a full galaxy map. Um, and it's updated online um, from everyone who's playing with this mod. So, like, play, you don't play against these people, but if they win a spe- an important battle, like the the um, planet can go to like Steiner Control, and it will tell you, and you can come in if you're an opposing faction and try to get it back. The and it adds all kinds of mechs. It advances the timeline. The the problem is it adheres very much to the board game. So, like at the start, your pilots are complete crap. You're you're shooting like right next to somebody, and you have like maybe like a. 25% chance to hit and it's so infuriating 
and you get like destroyed. But, but it's so it's out of the storyline. Yeah, so it... that, that's the other thing. Do you get? Do either of you have the or any of you have the expansions? I did not buy them yet. I don't uh, know. I don't think I do because I, I get so. That's what happened to me. Is the storyline gets to a point where, it, and they don't get me wrong, they did a good job with the story. But I'm at a point where, like, all I can do is the storyline. I see all the rest of this stuff, and I can't do anything with it. Yeah. So I uh, I was doing the storyline for a little bit, and I enjoyed the game so much I bought both expansions. And I think in the first one, it gives you career mode, which is basically the oh, story oh. without yeah. the story. So you're just tra- you don't have the full map. You have maybe you're open to, like, a quarter of it, but that's more than enough because there's, you know, like, 100 planets and tons of contracts in each planet, and you basically have a timeline. You're just trying to see how good, like, how much money you can get, how many mechs you can get, how many points you can acquire, how many kills, like, and you just keep going for, I think it's, like, 1,200 in-game days, and there's a mod to make it 3,000 in-game days. So you just keep playing and playing and playing until, like, just to see what your high score is. All right, here's my question. I have three questions, actually. One is, do you ever get to the big, big mechs? I never got out of, I never got bigger than, like, I think 45 tons. Yeah. You start to, the cool thing is you start to face them. And then, like, if you're doing salvage. So Dan Dan Roberts was a huge help. I had started and played a couple missions. I was was having a hard time. And he gave uh, a few really... Uh, important tips and one of them was to you know early on take one take a contract for a lot of money and then later take mostly salvage ones because when you start salvaging stuff you're going to build up mechs so you know if you're going against the larger mechs and you can get some salvage uh, and you and you're consistent about it then uh, eventually you'll be able to just based on parts you'll be able to have a full functioning larger mech okay yeah that that only works for so long, um, because then eventually what you get is you you get a couple good mechs, and all the scrap is is not not as good as what you have, or you have four of the same kind of torsos, um, and you know I, I think that's a I don't and again I don't know if they may have updated something to it, but for a while like I would I would only get the same mechs as scrap even even if I was you know. It would always be the worst ones, it felt like. Okay. My next question is, so did you do... I know that the DLC, there's like Flashpoint and Urban Warfare. Did you do the season pass? And I myself did the season pass because I think there's three DLCs. One hasn't come out yet. The total of them is 60 bucks, and I think the season pass is only 40 So I was like, well, I'm saving 20 bucks, so I might as well. Got it. And okay. I will say that one of my first missions with the DLC was a city fight. And it was awesome. There's cars everywhere. The, there's uh, good draw distance. There's like one of my pilots shot a PPC, missed the guy, hit an 80-story building, and the building just comes down like nice. all this rubble. Oh. And there's a giant yeah, dust might, cloud now, of fire, and it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I might have to go back. There you go. We're making right. Hairbrain Scream some money. <laughs> yeah. It's super fun. Nice. It's, it's super fun. All right, Steno, what's the draw with Classic WoW? So I won't go into it too much, but I never played World of Warcraft. And then, yeah, I know because you guys aren't very interested, but I never played Classic uh, Warcraft. Our friend Greg Ivany said, oh, Steno, they're coming out with Classic WoW. You're an RPG guy. you got to try it out. And I've wasted a lot of time playing Classic WoW. Now, do you guys play a lot together? We don't play it all together, (laughs) but you don't have to play together. I mean, I solo a lot of stuff or I'll join random people for dungeons. Um, Greg and I have met up like once or twice. 
But um, I know Rafe plays, but he's pretty early level. Flores plays, but it's kind of inconsistent. Um, but I have a lot of fun. Just I, I, of course, play a mage, and I just have a lot of fun going around and blasting and stuff. So. Yeah, I, 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 play, played, I played a Oh, go ahead, Ian. No, I was just going to say, I played World of Warcraft when it first came out, and I played for a little while, and I enjoyed it. But I just can't... Uh, trying to... Like, it would be fun to play with you guys and play with Rafe and Greg and everything, but trying to coordinate that as, like, busy adults is just not feasible. So I can't I can't ever justify getting into those games. Yeah, I. my thing is, like, if if there were four of us... I think there two things happen. One is because can't you only go up to four people, Stino? Um, it, I think it's five. Okay, but yeah, like my thing is if if it was like oh you know Sunday night is our like get online and play games night, I would love to do more stuff like that. But to your point, you know, I've I, I've tried it. Like even Ryan Morrency, Rafe, I think Andy, you might have been on this. We tried that um that breach game, one of the Call of Duty games or something yeah. like that, and. I think I played like three times with people and then it never happened again. And it's like, you know, I love playing online with people, but we just our group sucks at that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's tough to coordinate. Yeah, I uh, so, yeah, my big thing with WoW was that it, it really encourages you to play with friends online. And if you don't play with friends online, I don't I don't like the the massive multiplayer. Uh, yeah. unless it's a shooter and I'm shooting other people that I don't know. I don't I don't like to have to rely on a, a team. Any of those games that I tried with guilds or anything, like uh, EVE Online, cool concept, Super Space had an economy that had like real world consequences when like the economy crashed of that game. Like but that's like you literally had to play every day and if you didn't go on it was like a second job. Like and I I, I can't do that. I can't commit to anything like that. I have, I have a family, and that's I barely commit to that. So, like, that's yeah. I, I, I'm not going to make a game commitment like that. So that's my rant on WoW. Uh, <laughs> and, and with that, we'll uh, we'll we'll quickly kind of wrap up uh, our last two categories here with tabletop games. Um, and RPGs. I think what's most interesting about the tabletop games is so obviously, you know, I've mentioned it a couple times already with 40k being kind of what we've been playing in terms of a tabletop miniature game for a while now, uh, and I think we're going to dedicate a whole show to that, but at least uh, actually we all wrote what or thought we wrote Battletech. I wrote Mech Warrior because um, uh, I was just doing it quick. I actually meant Battletech um, because of how much fun I had playing it the other night. Um, but Ian and uh, Justin, you guys have been playing a little bit more of that. Do you guys want to start the conversation? Yeah, so our our buddies Brian Ahern and Steve Flagg uh, were playing uh, the classic or, or tabletop. I mean, it's 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 very much the same game that it always has been, just updated and it's passed uh, through many different publishers' hands over the years. Catalyst Game Labs has it now, um, but they were uh, they were playing at Midgard one night when uh, the rest of us were playing 40k, and uh, I had bought the box set, the starter set, probably probably six months or so ago. Painted up the eight mechs that came in it. And and of course, Matt, you know, Matt bought it and he's like, oh, no, we'll play, we'll play. And of course, we didn't. Um, but uh, so I saw them playing it and I was I was excited. I was like, oh, man, you guys, you guys are playing this and, and they're really loving it. So I was like, let's 
next time you guys play, let me know. So, um, so we set it up, and uh, I played a, a learning game with them. And then uh, I told Justin, I was like, oh, you you got to play this. Where you're going to have fun with it. And then there was like a night where Dave was looking for stuff to do. And I was like, oh, we're going to play Battletech. And, and we roped Andy in. And so um, it's way more crunchy than you would think I would like because I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm generally not one. That, hello, Sadie. Sadie the dog just came in to visit. Um, I'm generally not one that likes super crunchy games, but uh, I really love this. It's the, the random nature of the critical hits is fun. Um, you know, checking off all the damage on your mechs is fun and, and kind of seeing, you know, how long your mechs can survive and they go toe to toe and you try death from above and all that stuff. So, um, and plus I had my minis all painted up, so I wanted to get them on the table. So I, I've just been having a ton of fun with it. And I, I backed their Kickstarter, which had ended, but you can still jump in. Uh, so I'm going to be getting a ton of mechs in the spring when they uh, fulfill that Kickstarter. So it's interesting, Ian, you called it crunchy. Um, I don't really think it's crunchy so much as it's tabley. Like there are a ton, like there are a ton of tables, but it, they're super simple tables. Yeah, it's that to me never, is crunch. It's just, right, there's it, a lot of cross referencing and things like okay. that. Okay, all right, I, I see that. Like I think of crunchy is like when I used to see the people playing the. Um, Honor Harrington um, space based games where like they would calculate out missile velocities like <laughs> right, and you'd okay. actually have to do math. Uh, this you don't have to do any math. You just have to you know. There's a little that, math. <laughs> not a lot. That is, it's literally look, look down, look over. Uh, well, no, there's addition and subtraction. You got to calculate uh, your. That's true. That's true. Your, your uh, difficulty to hit and stuff. Yeah, but no, I um I was super psyched that I got invited to play uh, that game with you guys too. I had a blast with it. Um, I'm really excited that you're going to have a lot of models and want to play it um, because then I'll be able to play with you when you want to play. Um, it doesn't pull me in enough to kind of want to own it. Um, if I think if Owen was a little bit older, maybe, but I think it's too crunchy for him. Um, but again, I think um, I had I had a super fun time playing that. Uh, and I, Steedo, have you played a couple more games of that too? So I've uh, excuse me. So I've only played one, and um, it was with uh, Steve, Brian, and Ian, and it was kind of like a learning game. They showed me how to play, and I instantly went to the front counter in Midgard and asked if they had any. They didn't have any, so I just went on Amazon and like overnighted it to my house. Um, so like I said, Matt used to play when he was younger, and I like the source books and everything, but a big turnoff for me was the models. Uh, the old metal models are just like so – they're so 80s bad and cheesy and just really bad looking. But with the re-release, um, they redid all the sculpts, and I really like those. I bought the box set, and I've been painting them up, and they're a lot of fun to paint, um, and I can't wait to get them on the table. Nice. And Dave, was that the only game you played, the one uh, with um, – was it Corey? No, what was the Cody? Uh, Cody, 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 yeah, Cody, yeah. So, um, yeah, friend of uh, well, new friend of ours, but one of Shannon's coworkers came up to visit, so he came out to game night, and he, what was pretty cool about that night because the four of us fought is he was pretty much dead, right? Like if I remember correctly, he was almost out of it, and then somehow yeah. he snuck around and ended up uh, being the last mech standing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the only one I've played, but it was a blast. I, I, would, I, I would play that over and over. That's my kind of game for sure. Yeah. I think that could be a definite nerd herders winter retreat game. Cause again, the, the there's a set mission. Like I, I felt that it was balanced. Um, 
when it came to kind of the the two sides, uh, the mechs on each side, um, it does swing a little bit. But that's only because you know you get hit one turn, your heat goes up, but you know it can swing just as hard the other way. The, it seems so far from what I've seen the the tonnage on the which is how you measure out you know the, the balance out the sides there's the tonnage of your max it seems very balanced um the the handful of games i've played have all been very close on both sides um yeah i'm happy to bring mine to winter retreat i have at this point i have 10 painted max i have the uh the eight that came in the starter box and then uh, a metal mech that uh joel had given to me a while back and then i bought uh one of the cooler looking metal ones so so i have um yeah i've got 10 mechs now so we got plenty to choose from cool Ian, do you remember do you remember when the kickstarter ships when it's it closed says up ships? it says march but it hasn't they uh. haven't closed the um, they haven't closed the backing yet, but they are releasing the 3D sculpts um, yeah. every few days, and they, they look really good. I'm, yeah. I'm, I really like the look of the sculpts, and there's going to be a ton of really cool mechs added, and I think you're going to have a real wide range of of tonnages to use, too, because the, um, the box set didn't – I think the biggest one it came with was maybe a 70-ton one, um, and and – uh, then a couple like there's it's it's a pretty good mix, but it doesn't have any of the massive ones like the the Atlas or um, or ones like that. So it, it, we're gonna have a nice mixture of max when that um, Kickstarter does uh, ship. Cool, cool. All right, we'll uh, we'll jump to our last category for the evening, which is RPGs. Um, we still play a lot of D and D as a group, uh, but I know we our group is also kind of splintered off, um, and we also have kind of a, a couple Pathfinder groups going. Uh, so I thought I'd start off by having Justin and uh, Dave talk a little bit about Pathfinder. Um, you guys have two. Do you guys still have the two different ones going, or yes, yeah. Um, and you got now, have they just done a new edition of Pathfinder too? Yeah. So, um, yes, actually. And, uh, we have, um, we have as a group, both the core rule book and the bestiary for second edition. Um, so I've looked it, through them, but you guys haven't started using them yet or. No, sorry. I mean, I so like known. as the nerd herders got one, right? So they sent us one and we haven't had a, <laughs> we haven't recorded, but we should probably talk about it at some point. But P- Paizo sent us one um, I didn't to check it. out. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> Once again, Dave's name is associated with that stuff. And Dave, Dave uh, neglects to tell people. That Terrace is the one who signed me up. I didn't know until it showed up, and he was like, "Hey, make sure you talk about that on the I show." Think I might have a discussion with Terrace. I, I should probably mention Terrace. Uh, I'm on the Osprey shipping list. Osprey sends me stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, all right. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Hey. Like uh, Ian makes it sound like I'm all shady. He's like, I'm on the Games Workshop list. I got twelve thousand stuff a week. Um, um, that's Matt. That's, that's Matt. Matt. But Matt literally has a forty k show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let that slide. Yeah, I, I will say that. Um, I, I don't know how much we want to go into it, but we should do a show on the difference between first and second at some point, or at least even if we just did another one about like D and D Pathfinder and Pathfinder yeah. two. But it's um, I, I don't think they, I, I don't I don't think they improved it. I think what they did is they took a whole new take on it, right? So it is definitely a different game. It is more like Starfinder. If any of you dipped your toe into Starfinder, um, the the Pathfinder that we play is 
I think exactly what it has always been, which is, you know, it's fun. It's crunchy. Well, I, I think it's fun. It's crunchy. It's turn-based tabletop tactics with, um, with a lot of rules for your role playing. So if you want to, if you want to roll dice and skill checks for, you know, the, the role playing scenario, the non-combat stuff, Pathfinder lets you do that. So it's, it's kind of like a nerd's role playing, um, second edition just went a, 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 a different route and, um, I, I'm trying to remember because I did skim it when it came, but it it changes the way that you choose things. So instead of like choosing a dwarf and then choosing a class, you choose like your background and you choose other things that then become your character. So it, it they they definitely recreated Pathfinder. Um, so I I think both are still viable, and of yep. course, second edition doesn't have quite as many resources so you know i don't think it'll displace pathfinder anytime soon um but if you liked starfinder this is a i think a better version i think they took what they did in starfinder and made it better interesting but anyway i don't know if that was the point of this but yeah no no that's perfect no it was just kind of talking about what we've been doing and that's uh that kind of fits in there and ian you did you run a dungeon crawl classic no, so so Dungeon Crawl Classics is one that I bought a few years ago. Um, it it really interested me because the the artwork and everything is so retro um, on purpose, uh, and the base rule book is only twenty five bucks, and it's a huge rule book. And um, it, it, I don't know for for whatever reason it kind of called to me, and I would look at it once in a while. And I think I brought it to a winter retreat one time, and I think some of you thumbed through it, but. Um, I hadn't really done anything with it, and I know our buddy Jericho uh, likes it a lot and has run it, and I, w- I wanted him to run something. So what happened was at DragonCon, um, uh, there's tons and tons of RPGs going on the entire weekend, and there were a whole bunch of Dungeon Crawl Classics ones, and I, I noted them on my schedule um, thinking, you know, maybe I'll go check one out. So there was one, I think it was like the Saturday night or whatever. I didn't have anything else going on uh, for like panels or anything like that to go to. There was like a a three-hour or four-hour Dungeon Crawl Classic session. Um, So I went down and signed up and I get into the game. Um, It was full, but um, the the guy running it let me me join anyway. Uh, And I had, and that's very unlike me too, to go like play with strangers because I really don't like people. Um, but the the vibe, I, yeah, the vibe at DragonCon I think changes things for me because um, it's such a fun atmosphere and everybody's really good to each other there. So I, I think that kind of opens me up a little. So I decided to go do it. Played with a bunch of strangers. I had the best time playing this game. So I I came out of it wanting to do something with that system. And um, so that has uh, morphed into us starting a once a month, every other month, whatever it ends up being, uh, Monday night Dungeon Crawl Classics game, um, which we have not started yet, but we will start in a couple weeks. Uh, no talking just... about the future. Oh, sorry. Um, but anyway, the system itself is super cool. It's very, uh, very random. Uh, it's super brutal as far as character creation. You literally do 3D6 right down the line for your stats. Uh, so you're going to end up with, with <laughs> probably some bad stats. And you have to survive. Like, you, you create four to five zero level characters and then they run up what's called a blender mission any of them that survive get to go to level one and become a, a character class um and it's also that old school thing where dwarf is a class elf is a class um 
and then everything's very random. You roll a d20 and add your level to, like, when you cast a spell or when you, like, if you get a critical hit. There's tons of tables and stuff, so it is literally a book full of tables. So super crunchy, super random, but I had an amazing time playing it, and I'm really excited for everybody else to, to try it that has not played it yet. Yeah, doesn't it use the crazy dice? It does, and I thought the crazy Ooh. dice were, were... Yeah, but listen, I thought they were just a gimmick. It uses, like, D7, D14, D16, D24. I thought they were a gimmick, and it was I was not going to like it. It's actually a nice, um, a nice, elegant system. You start with a base as a D20 for what you roll. If you have advantage, disadvantage, other obstacles, you drop down in the dice chain. So the difficulty to perform a task doesn't change but the dice that you roll might get better or worse so the difficulty of something might still be an 18 and suddenly it's hard for you you have to roll a just a like um uh, a d16 and add your skill to it or whatever or you're rolling a d24 and it's that much easier for you to pull it off so so the dice chain is actually i thought it was gimmicky but i actually like how it works in game all right, all right. I'll uh, I'll, I'll cut it some slack, but I I remember a couple of years ago uh, playing a game that that used dice like that, um, and we all kind of bought into it a little bit, and then never played it again. Yeah, that game was terrible. That's not yeah. fair. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so the one I wanted to mention real quick, Dave played it with me. We will definitely be playing it at Nerd Herders Winter Retreat. Uh, Rangers of Shadow Deep. Um, I probably mentioned it as part of our Depticon uh, wrap up because uh, Tom Mason was talking about it. He, we were in line for something, and Tom Mason's talking about it, and I thought it was so neat that I went on to drive through RPG and bought it while we were in line with Tom Mason, like waiting for something. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, Dave and I got a chance to play kind of the first mission. I I haven't had as much fun with a cooperative kind of tabletop slash RPG style game in a very long time. Like, yeah, agreed. I, I've always wanted Frostgrave to be awesome. I always want Necromunda. Under, I want you know all those games to be fun, to have a game where I get to do a little bit of role-playing and a little bit of kind of tabletop miniatures, and they always unbalance themselves. This one, it was me and Dave versus the game, and... We won because we cheated. Um, we realized we kind of did something wrong at the end, but otherwise we might have lost some of our characters. Um, right. So it it is very simple. Um, there's measuring and stuff in it, but it's not it's not too rules heavy. It has an awesome little decision tree in terms of how monsters move. Yeah, the AI is the end, good. Yeah, and then at the end of each round, you flip over a card that card means something for that particular mission. And you just use a regular deck of cards. So you know in a given mission that a certain number of things are going to happen. Um, and you could easily look ahead and try to plan for that. But because, you know, other things will happen and move where pieces are on the board and stuff. Um, and it's just so simple. It, they don't care what you use for miniatures. Um, you don't even have, like me and Dave were, just grabbing stuff that was lying around in the basement to kind of do it. Now it was fun because I did bring some of my uh, dwarven forge terrain out for the village, but yeah, I perfect. had I had a blast. Uh, what did you think, Dave? It was just fun. I mean, the, the thing is, it it um, it had that perfect blend of depth, right? And I know, like to to Andy's point, um, you know, we've all played 
we we've all played these different like skirmish games and it's like you try to find that balance of like well i want to play a miniature game I want like a lot of times for me, it's I want to play a role playing game that has miniature aspects and it's so hard to, to, to mix, right? It's either I'm playing a miniature game, like I'm playing kill team or, I mean, obviously 40 K or I'm playing an RPG like Pathfinder or whatever, which, you know, you've got like a two page character sheet and all those games that fall into the middle. Like when we tried that broken contract game or wreckage or, you know, you're talking about Frostgraves or um, Enter Perdition, that Witchborn game. Like all those games, they just they just don't seem they, they're a little too complex. There's too much time in the rule book. What I liked about this was it was like the, the example I gave was like, oh, you know, do you want a bladed weapon or a shooting weapon? And that was it. It's like, or, or maybe it was like one-handed weapon or a weapon and shield or a two-handed weapon. Like, and it didn't matter if you had a sword, an axe, a spear or whatever, like there's no reach, there's no whatever. It's like, it's, it, it just kind of simplified the whole thing. Um, but there was enough, the, the rules were tight enough that I felt like my decisions actually mattered and I knew what my choices were. So um, it, it was really fun. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, it, it sounds really cool. Um, I, I definitely think, and we may get it in before winter treat, but if, if it's not till winter retreat, um, yeah, just let me know what types of minis. Cause I'd love to bring some of my, my painted Reaper, you know, heroes or, or bad guys or whatever. So that we, we can, um, yeah, you know, I'll coordinate with you. There's a, there's an awesome fan base out there too. They have one of the better like Facebook pages out there. They, people have basically gone through the books and there's an Excel spreadsheet you can download that tells you all the monsters you need for each mission. So you can kind of be ready and prepped for it. Um, and that's the thing is like, you know, what could come out on the board, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, Dave and I knew what was on the what was coming, um, and it was still tough. Like, like the way combat works is whenever you get into combat, either person could get killed. So if a zombie gets in combat with me, I get a chance to kill him, but he has an equal. He has a pretty good chance of killing me. Yeah, the same as if I had engaged him in combat. So there's none of that one sided combat where I walk in. And I can knock somebody down because I get to attack. It's an opposed role. Um, and it can go, because you're rolling D20s, it can go very, very badly. Um, because Dave can roll a 2 and I can roll a 17. Um, and even after you add all your modifiers together, there's a big difference between 2 and 17. Oh, so sort of like Frostgrave's mechanic with that. With- it is, but... But the difference, is, it, but it also has a little bit of, of twist, right? Because you still have armor and stuff. And so, but it, it it's funny because at first when I, when I read it, I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. But um, they actually do it. They do it in a way that it's not quite as um, like, like instant death as Frostgrave can be. Well, and the other thing too is that you're not going head to head. So like when a zombie, when a zombie took like a big chunk out of one of my hirelings it was tough but i also knew that dave was still around like and dave could help me out or i had and the way they balance the game is it'll play up to four very easily but what happens is depending on how many players are playing you get less kind of hirelings to bring with you so if you're just playing by yourself you'll be able to bring enough people to to potentially make it through a mission. But as you bring more people, you can add more monsters and take away hirelings. 
and so it, it balances itself out very nicely. And it was one of those things where Dave wasn't attacking me. So it, it, we had, it was cooperative. We were, we were working together to, to get through the mission. Um, but we were still rolling off, you know, I would roll off the, as the zombies when it was Dave's turn. You know, Dave was doing combat with his guys. So I had an absolute blast with it. The toughest thing for me is there's a ton, like you do need a bunch of minis that I don't, I don't have in terms of monsters and stuff. Um, and I just cannot buy that many. I've got them. I was going to say, I have a ton too. Like yeah, yeah. I'm, I keep uh, before winter retreat, uh, I'm going to go through that list to make sure at least we've got a couple missions worth and all yeah. what I don't have Ian, I'll talk to you about. And I'm sure, I'm sure between us, we, we have them and I'll bring, and I'll bring some of the terrain. Cause I do have that. Yeah, it'd be awesome to have like fully painted stuff out on the table. It'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm not guaranteeing that, but well, um, no, I mean, I mean, as far as minis, I'm, I guarantee we can do it with minis if there's enough lead in time. I've I've got so many adventurers painted, and then tons of monsters and stuff. We'll easily be able to do it. Cool. Yeah, so that'll be fun. And so maybe everybody will hear about our adventures in Shadow Deep in a future episode. No future. Um, but we don't know what the future holds. <laughs> uh, so I want to thank you guys very much. Uh, tonight was a lot of fun. Uh, we got to hear about some things that we've been doing over the last six months. Hopefully the listeners can use this as a way to catch up with, uh, with us as well, uh, and bring them back into the fold. Uh, we do have some shows plans. Um, we do want to do uh, a show on 40 K, um, and kind of, what this edition has meant to us. Um, we'll do our annual kind of year in review, uh, which would be interesting, kind of close ties to this one. So we'll, we'll make it a little bit different, but yeah. Um, and if people do have other things that they want to hear from us about, uh, we do, I've been trying to be a little bit more active on our Facebook page. Um, so we still have a, the nerd herders uh, out there as a Facebook page. We do have a Twitter account as well. Um, which, I haven't been looking at as much only because uh, we weren't doing the show as much, but we're at nerd herders show. We also have an Instagram account out there. We try to put pictures up. I, as we play more games and we get together as a group more, I think we'll do that as well. Um, and that's just the, the nerd herders podcast uh, on Instagram. So you can, you can get a hold of us. Um, and if you like the show, let us know, uh, let us know other things that you'd like to hear us talk about as well, but uh, we've got some good ideas for the next few months as well. Yay. So, yeah. So I want to thank you guys for, for uh, joining me tonight. Um, I think we'll, uh, we have some, we have some good things in store for us in the future. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. No for, future. <laughs> for taking charge. Like I said, it was, uh, I'm glad that you did and I'm, I'm glad that we're back and hopefully can be on a, uh, a more regular schedule and because uh, I do enjoy doing the show it um, so uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I had a good time tonight and uh, our nice uh, tidy one hour has uh, turned into two but I think that was expected for for what we had to cover so um, but I think going forward we'll try and uh, do more focused and, and shorter shows so but Andy's Andy's on the organization uh, uh, leading the way now and that's I, I think that's going to be good for us. Yeah, I maybe should have cut out an entire topic or two, but that's nah, uh, we're, we're good. We hadn't, we hadn't recorded in a while, so it's almost good that Matt wasn't here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, eventually, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get back in the swing of things. But uh, very excited to, to be able to start doing the show again. And everyone should tell Justin how much they enjoy him being on the mm. show, so he'll stay. <laughs> stay. Yay! Yeah. All, uh, all yeah, I have to see is the say is that the love is uh, it's palpable. 
it's palpable. Oh, see, oh. bringing it all back. Wow, wow, thank, we've done that in a while. <laughs> thank you, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> and thank you, Ian. Yeah, and all thank you, hits. Dave. It's all yeah. the hits. That's yeah, all the hits. <laughs> what happened to the donuts, <laughs> or whatever? All right. All right. I think that'll close out our show uh, for uh, this round. Uh, so join us uh, next time, um, if there is a next time. Um, but I'm really hoping there is a next time. There will be. Let your geek flag fly. You've been listening to Nerd Herders, a part of the Freebooters Network. All song and movie clips are the property of their respective owners, and no challenge of ownership is implied. We use those clips because we're fans, so please don't sue us. Please check out our sponsor, Geek Nation Tours. You can find us on Twitter, at Nerd Herders Show, and on Facebook, under the Nerd Herders Podcast. You can also reach us by email at hosts at nerdherderspodcast.com. Special thank you to our editor and producer, Justin Steno-Alex. Matt's feelings were not harmed during the making of this podcast. He won't listen. He'll never know.